It's not, not to your advantage to do anything but live here with your families and your homeland. And it's time for us to embrace and confess our love for each other, but to say goodbye. So both of them said they were going to stay with her. But after consulting and talking with them and having a thorough discussion about it, Orpah decided that she would stay with her family in Moab. But when Naomi tried to encourage Ruth to stay, he gave her all the reasons that she should not return to her homeland, to Naomi's homeland with her, but to stay in Moab in her own homeland. When she gave her all those reasons, then her daughter-in-law spoke to her and said words that we've used many times in many places. Some of you may not know where they came from. But this is what Ruth then said to Naomi. The first chapter of that book of Ruth, and this is starting at verse 16. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Those are, are words of confident faithfulness, ultimate faithfulness. Ruth had no real reason to go back other than her dedication in the support of Naomi. Naomi had no one else. She wasn't going back to a family that was waiting for her. Her family had died in, in uh, the land of Moab. So now, Ruth has no real reason to go other than her love for, dedication to, and faithfulness to her mother-in-law, Naomi. But she went with her. They left. They traveled all the way back to the little town of Bethlehem, where their family, Naomi's family, had originated. And when she came, people knew her. They said, now, Naomi, the wife of Elimelech, is back. She said, my husband's dead. My sons are dead. My daughter-in-law is in Moab. One of my daughter-in-law has come with me. And so they began to adjust to life back in Bethlehem again. But they needed a source of livelihood. So... Naomi explained to Ruth the customs of her land. The customs were that if someone had real need, they could go and follow the reapers as they brought the grain out of the field, and they could pick up the little bit that was left over because the reapers just overlooked it or because they sometimes left it there just so the poor would have a means of getting food and a means of livelihood. And it just happens, and I say that uh, with quotes around it, it, it so it, it, it just happened that when the two of them went on till they came to Bethlehem, and when they got there, this is, this is what the last part of that chapter, chapter 1 says. The last words of that chapter are these. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. The King James says they happened to come at the beginning of the barley harvest. They arrived in Bethlehem at the time that the reaping of the harvest was to begin. Now, God has an order, a timing, an 
intricate plan to put you in the right place at the right time to be able to bestow the blessings on your life that he wants you to receive. They happened to come, just happened to get there at the time that the harvest of the barley was beginning. God made them take that trip, leaving Moab, getting back to Bethlehem, so the fields around them were just getting ready to be harvested, and there was going to be something left over in the fields, as always there was. So Naomi said to Ruth, go out into the fields and glean what is left over from the harvesters. Pick up all that you can and bring it back. She did that. And as she did that day after day, she wound up attached to a person who was of great wealth and had great fields and was harvesting much barley. And she was gleaning in the fields of this man, Boaz. As she gleaned through the fields, she became recognized by the people who worked there. When Boaz came and asked, who is this person who's following after our harvesters? They said, this is Ruth, the daughter-in-law of Naomi, of our clan, whom we know well. And Boaz then began to show accommodation. Let's call it that to start with. He began to show interest in Ruth. He was uh, not a married man, and neither was Ruth. All indications were she was a very attractive young woman, and his attentions to her, first of all, might not have been 100% spiritual. Just surmising that people there, just like we are, so he, he may not have had the... But he had good intentions toward her, and that's important. God had put him there, this very wealthy farmer. God had put them there to put him there to intersect his life with the life of Ruth. And in the plan of God, that was his intention. Boaz was a kinsman of Naomi. They called him in those days, they were called the kinsman redeemer. So if something happened to uh, a husband such as uh, Ruth's husband, there was a redeemer in the family who, because of the structure of the family, who was the next of kin, would be able to go and marry that person and support her. And that was their system of, of sustaining people through those hard times in their lives. Boaz was in that lineage, and Naomi told Ruth about it. But she said he's not the number one. He's the number two. But then Boaz, talking with Ruth, observing her, became very, very interested in her to the point that he made particular efforts to get the number one guy out of the way so that he, the number two guy, could step up and marry Ruth. Now, all that wasn't said in the beginning, but there was two people that knew that that was what the whole plan was. One was God, and the other was Boaz. So now Boaz meets Ruth, and they tell him, his workers tell him all these good things about her. You, I, I cannot give you all the details. Every, every little detail of this is so fascinating. You need to really read this book, but I'll just give you the highlights of it now. So, so the, the workers in the field who were harvesting the barley were very interested in Ruth because she was such a, a, a person of strong character. She was an impressive young woman, and they spoke very well of her. So Boaz only heard good things about her. Now, 
starts to talk to her and have discussions with her and learns all these things about her, he is more and more impressed. And all of this now is the hand of God working out the events and the affairs of Ruth's life, of Naomi's life, and of Boaz's life. God was in there directing the whole thing. And I'm going to tell you why God did what he did and how God did what he did to make all of this come to pass so that when it was all over, and jumping over a little bit ahead of the story, when Ruth and Boaz were married and their first child was named Obed, Obed was the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David. This woman from Moab, from a Gentile land, from a heathen land, who came and followed into the place of God's choosing with her mother-in-law because of her faithful commitment to her, this woman became the great-grandmother of the iconic king of Israel, David. That's the way God works and plans and orders our lives when we declare our faithfulness to him and stand up in faithfulness and do what God would have us do, make the sacrifice of ourselves, if necessary, to perform the will of God. And that's what Ruth had done when she said to Naomi, I will go where you go. Your family will be my family. Your land will be my land. I'll die where you die. I'll be buried where you are buried. Your God will be my God. She pledged her faithfulness to Naomi in a powerful way. And then Naomi took her to become the gleaner in the fields of Boaz. And there she finds favor with Boaz because God is directing this whole thing. Now I want you to jump over with me to Ruth chapter 2. And in chapter 2, Boaz is speaking to Ruth. And she wants to know, why have you decided to show me such favor? Why have you decided to do good things for me? Now, you know, let's just look at it in the natural. She may not have known and probably didn't know at this time all the intricate things that God was doing. So she might be a little bit suspicious of this guy. Just saying. She didn't know. Why do you think so much of me? And this is what he said. He told her good things. He said, reap, go ahead and reap. It changed the from gleaning to reaping. Go ahead and reap behind my harvesters. And you'll be, there'll be plenty there for you. He had already spoken to his harvesters about her. He said, don't you disturb her. Let her, let her reap in our fields. And not only that, I don't really want you to leave something a little bit there for her to pick up like she has been when she's been gleaning. I want you to leave a little bit extra. And let her now become a reaper. And so now her status changes. She's starting to receive favor with God's chosen man, Boaz. And he says, this is, his, this is the expression of the King James, leave her some, talking about the barley harvest now, not leave the little pieces of the gleaners, pick it up, the lifted, the, uh, nothing but leftovers, but leave her some handfuls on purpose. I want you to intentionally leave some of the barley as you pass by. Don't take it all. Leave some because Ruth is coming behind you. And we want her to have plenty. 
We don't want her to lack anything. She's not just going to glean the few little pieces of the leftovers now. She's not just a gleaner anymore. Now I've made her a reaper. She's going to reap along with you and bring as much for her family, her and Naomi, bring as much for her family out of the barley fields as you're bringing for my family. Leave enough for her to be a reaper and not just a gleaner. And when Ruth said, why are you showing me all this favor? This is what Boaz said as she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? I just came up, a little girl from Moab, came here with my mother-in-law. I have no standing here. Why are you showing me such favor? And this is what Boaz said. Now listen, this is signally important right now. Listen to this. This is what Boaz said. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord. The God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. I have found favor. You have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. She said, I have found favor. And listen, friend, this is what I want to tell you. Favor will change you from a gleaner to a reaper. If you want to be content to go along and pick up all the little leftovers and have to go all up and down all the rows of the field from corner to the corner just to get enough to put in your bag just to take home and have a little part of the meal, you can do that. But if you want to do the right thing, if you want to show yourself to be a faithful child of God, if you want to make your promises to God, just like Naomi received promises from Ruth when Ruth said, I will go where you go. Your God will be my God. Your family will be my family. I will live in the land of your land and become what you want me to be. I will be faithful to you. When she made her pledge of faithfulness, it changed everything all the way into the future. Before she knew anything about Bethlehem, before she knew anything about Canaan, before she knew anything about Boaz, before she knew anything about gleaning from the fields, God had a plan. When she said, I will be faithful to you, God made a return promise to her. And God, in his eternal wisdom and in the promises of his great book, in which he's recorded all things about us, he said to Ruth, she didn't hear him then, she was to hear him later, but he said to Ruth, and I will be faithful to you. You make your declarations of faithfulness to God, and God will write it down, and he'll keep a record of it. And you live by that, and God will show he is more faithful to you than you can ever be to him. God always rewards faithfulness. So faithfulness, Ruth's faithfulness, promising to her mother-in-law, fulfilling that promise, living by it, everybody knowing that she had committed it, living by that commitment, faithfulness of Ruth produced the favor of Boaz. I said it kind of lightly. It wasn't just because she was a pretty woman. It wasn't just because there was an attraction there. No, it was the hand of God. 
It was Ruth's faithfulness to her mother-in-law. And through that faithfulness, faithfulness to God, it was Ruth's faithfulness that produced the favor of Boaz. That's exactly what he said. But she said, why have you shown me such favor? Not just blessing. Gleaning is a blessing. You get anything that you don't expect. That's a blessing. But then when somebody comes along, as God so often does, and say, I'm going to leave you some handfuls on purpose right here. I'm going to leave you some extra. I'm going to leave you more than you expected. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure if you, if you go out in the fields today as a faithful reaper, you're going to have something to reap. You're not going to just be a gleaner. You're going to be a reaper. Because that's who we are today, friends. In the hands of God and in the plan of God and in the purpose of God, we are not gleaners. We are the reapers. Hallelujah. And there's a harvest out there that God has left, that God's put their own purpose for us. We can pick it up and reap that harvest and have the abundance of the Lord in our lives. Hallelujah. Have the abundance of the Lord. So the gleaner picks up a little bit. The reaper picks up a lot. You can be blessed or you can be favored. And the favor of God is upon those who are faithful. The faithfulness of the child of God produces the favor of God. Always. It never fails. So when you're working through the fields, and you stumble and fall, and you wonder, well, how am I ever going to get to the end of this row? Get up. Because when you do, you'll find it's not just a little bit of gleaning that's left. It's a harvest to reap. There's a harvest to reap. So when you stumble and fall, you know, a lot of times when we, we're out reaping, we're out, we're out gleaning in the fields, working hard as we can, and we kind of stumble and fall, and we think we've fallen, it's hard to get up. God's just putting us down where he can put more blessings on us. I, I, you know, I, I read in, in Psalm 23, that powerful, powerful, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You read that, that's, that's a psalm of reaping, friend. That's a psalm of reaping. And I think, I think that when we think of goodness and mercy following us, sometimes we think about it way over here, like goodness and mercy is trying to find us and keep up with us. I don't view it that way. I think goodness and mercy are right on my heels. Right on my heels. And if I fall, I think they they might just stumble over me and fall on top of me. Goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy. Reaping, reaping, reaping. We are the reapers. Hallelujah. Jesus said, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together. Shall man, man, shall Boaz give into your bosom because they'll leave some handfuls on purpose for you. Men that you don't know, those from whom you would not expect it, are going to send blessings on you because God touches their hearts and your faithfulness touches the heart of God and that heart of God touches the mind of the other person and blessings come to you from unexpected sources that you think would never be able to occur. Because we are the reapers. We're not gleaners. We're reapers because of the favor of God. Hallelujah. Joseph said, the devil threw me in a hole. He had a plan for me. He put me in slavery. He sent me to a strange land. 
The devil put me in a hole, tried to destroy me. And the devil meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So, so the little bit of gleaning that Joseph did along the way, finally, finally, because of his faithfulness, because he would not be deterred, because he would not give up, because he was faithful and he stayed faithful, Joseph was led to the ultimate promotion and into the favor of the king of the land. God will give you favor for your faithfulness. This is important, friends. If the Lord's spoken one thing to my heart about this message, it is God will give you favor for your faithfulness. Faithfulness will produce God's favor. Hallelujah. I'm talking to me too. Glory to God. (laughs) The writer of Proverbs says the righteous has a treasure waiting for him. In fact, it says that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the righteous. I don't know how God's going to do that. I'm not... God has never taught me about his banking principles. So I don't know. All I do know is this. Your faithfulness will produce the favor of God. And the favor of God is what we need in everything and every way at all times in our lives. We need the favor of God. Hallelujah. And then I... Will you let me come back and preach this again sometime? Because I've got to stop. I've got to baptize people today. <laughs> and, but I'm going to give you one more verse of Scripture. Galatians 6, 9. Mark this down. Go home and read it. Think about it. Dwell on it. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Let's don't despise the day as a gleaning. Let's don't give up. Let's don't be weary in following the Lord in good faithfulness. Let's stay with God. Follow Him through the field till we finally come to the place that they've left some handfuls on purpose for us. Be not weary and well-doing. For in due season, in due season, in the season of today, in the barley harvest, in the time of the reaping, we will reap if we faint not. We are the reapers, and we will reap because we will not faint. We will reap because we will stay faithful. We will gain the victory and the favor because God showed us how. Don't give up. The victory is here. It's due season. It's time for God. And that due season, I believe, is upon us for the reaping to begin. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Well, this is, I'm not leaving. I'm just going back here to this baptistry. I want to ask you to stay with us. If you have to leave in a little while, I understand. It's going to take us probably about 20 minutes to baptize people here today. But we've got, we've got people dedicated to the Lord, and they want to be baptized today. And you're their witnesses. I'm going to talk about baptism as they come up and get ready to come here and tell you what it is. So happy we have our new baptistry. We've added some to it for safety and security, and I think it is going to be safe. There's water in here that you can't see. But we're going to baptize people today in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And these are the folks who are going to be baptized. Come on up and take your place that you've been informed about. Joseph Cubbings. Glenn McDonald. Bradley McKenna, Ray Powell, Brandon Williams, Logan Schimpf, 
J.L. Cummings, Sandra Rosada, Nisi Williams. Come on up and take your place. And I'm going to explain a little bit about our baptism. I just don't know how much the splashing is going to be, so that's why I'm taking off my coat and tie. I'm not worried about it. I'm not going to be nearly as wet as they are, so it's not going to bother me. But we're going to, we're going to baptize these candidates and, uh, and acknowledge their decision for Jesus Christ. Baptism is not salvation. Baptism is the outward testimony of salvation. So the people who are being baptized today are saying that they have made a decision to follow Jesus and walk with him and serve him. We baptize by immersion because it is the one thing that symbolizes the spiritual experience that we have through salvation in Christ. When we take people down under the water, they're going into the tomb with Jesus in his death. The Bible says that we die to sin with Jesus in his death. So we take them down in the water, and then we bring them up from the water, and we bring every one of them up, so no exceptions. When we bring them up from the water, they are saying that they have come up out of the tomb in newness of life with Jesus in his resurrection and are walking and living in a new life. 